um, I have uh, maybe an opportunity to to buy a building and not rent anymore. I've, been, I've rented for 23 years now and I look at all that money and I think to myself, man, I, 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 I could have actually owned something by now. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Ali. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Good morning, Ali. Hey, Dwayne. How's it going? Good to see you. Good. I figured I'd just uh, begin with the end. <laughs> yeah, that's what, you know, on the other podcast I do, we play the outro after the intro with our sponsors. Anyway, so it was kind of cool, but uh, I was watching it and I wasn't sure if it was live. It wasn't live, so we'll have to see how that ended up on, on the live broadcast. Yeah, so uh, hey, we're into summer, right into summer. How's things going first off? I know we got a different topic today, but how's things going before we get into our topic? Just to give you an update, um, you know, the Lord overseer of our state, uh, Cuomo, we call him, um, he just said that we're allowed. And by the way, it's the most confusing. People are so confused, right? So mm -hmm. it's like all restrictions are lifted except for people with blue eyes who have red hair, who are two years old, between two and 72. Like it says, and no one knows what the heck's going on. So from what I gather, all of our restrictions have been lifted and we're back to business as usual, no social distancing, no masks, no this or that. The only questionable thing is if you're not vaccinated, then you do have to do wear masks and you do have to social distance. Like, so it's, so we're just going at business as normal. Um, I made an announcement the other day and by, by the way, people were like, overjoyed when I mentioned that we're no longer wearing masks. Even a few parents said, well, now we'll sign up our little one. We didn't want them to wear masks. So we've been holding off. And then I had a few that were really, I mean, really concerned, like what, you know, asking silly questions, like what is the, how's the setup? I'm like, you've been coming for a year and a half, you know, the setup, like nothing is, we didn't build a new room now that we're lift, taking our masks off. Like, you know, so they're going to come in. One mom's coming in today to walk through the facility with me. I'm like, I don't get it, but anything you could do to ease their minds. So we're kind of, we're as of this Monday, we're going to take off the masks and go back to business as usual, cross our fingers. Everything is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. And, and I'm curious, give me an update on, uh, um, just like membership wise and stuff, you know, how's, how's that going with trials and memberships? Cause you know, everybody talks about summer blues and why you're, I don't know if you need to calculate that or look at your dashboard real quick and, and I can give up mine if you, if you need time. Yeah, no, I don't need any time. I watch those numbers. Like you and I are both numbers nerds, right? Like, and I never, like, I was terrible in school, dude. I, I really was like, I didn't like math. I didn't pay attention. But when it comes to the dojo, my numbers, my overhead, my expenses, et cetera, et cetera, I'm like, so on it. So this morning I looked at my numbers and, um, yeah, I have about 22 people in the sales funnel that are in one month trials. Um, those people probably won't convert until next month. So far this month, I've signed up eight new members where at what mid month. So I'm hoping to get, I'm hoping to get, you know, 10, I'd be happy with 10. I'm hoping for more. Of course, um, we have, uh, every single person that I have on my roster has renewed all the way up until August. So I've done early renewals with all the people so that I have no quits whatsoever. 
So um, what that means is people are still coming, they're renewing and they're staying. So my numbers each month are just going to ticker up, right? So yep. if I sign up 10 this month and I sign up another 10 next month, that's 20 new members. Um, that's another $1,700 to $2,000 in billing volume. So that's a good thing. You know, I'm happy with growth like that. Yeah, I've got eight new members right now. So I'm right there with you. I actually have 11 new members, but the other three are family add-ons. Okay. And so they actually aren't there. I'm not making any money with that. Right, right. I, I signed one of this month. Uh, you know, I can hear that, right? <laughs> I know. I, hit it. I, I just clicked it and enlarged it and it went on. So I immediately gotcha. hit the mute button. No, uh, so, but w uh, one of them is a, is a, an add-on. It's a, it's a dad. Uh, we'll be doing it with, with the kids. So that, that's just reinforcement, right? And then I got a grandma. She's in charge of her kids uh, or, or her, excuse me, her grandkids. And she's doing it. Uh, wow. How old is she? Oh my gosh. She is probably 63. That's great. Though. Not much older than I am. Though. So maybe 65. I don't know. Yeah, but that's great. Uh, I guess I could look it up. But then um, I've got another uh, another family add-on. Uh, I'm trying to think who who it is. But anyways, so eight actual paying people and 11 new students. That's but you know as well as I do that those other three, even though they're not monthly paying customers, uh, there's retention that's going to happen because of them. There's retail that's going to happen because of them. There's event sales tickets that'll happen because of them. You know, it's interesting. That's so funny that you mentioned that. And I think maybe we should do a future call, a show on that because we've done it before a number of times, but student value is still a misunderstood concept, you know? So like when I'm helping people market, they don't understand, like, they're like, oh, I got to sign up and I'm going to make a hundred and, I don't know, 50 bucks a month. I go, but that's not all, you know, and you times that by 12, that's like, what is that? 1800 uh, a year. Um, you know, I'm like, but it's not just 1800. Now, if you add on, if you got every student to do $120 extra a year on top of their tuition times a hundred students, that's another 12 grand a year. If they bought um, sparring gear and you made a profit and a t-shirt and this and that, and that doesn't include people they refer. So like, what is an actual student value and how long did they stay on average? So that we should probably do a call on that yeah. alone just people understand the numbers. Well, I was going to say, um, one is maybe in that call, we do terminology so that we're all on the same page, what a lead is, what a prospect is, what a, you know, student value. Right. I mean, just all of those things, maybe we define all of that and then yeah. talk about it just so, cause if we don't define it, then we may not be talking, we could actually be talking about the same thing, but, but be totally off base and not understand each other. So, and I don't mean you exactly. and me, I mean us and the listeners. Of course. And, and that, that is always a big thing, right? When people like, you know, people hear certain industry buzzwords, one coach, consultant, podcaster might be talking about one thing while others are talking about another, you're, 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 we're talking about another just based on terminology. Yep. Yeah. So why don't we, uh, what do we have planned for next week? Uh, nothing. And that would be great. I just wrote it down. Call topic, student value and terminology. I wrote it down. So because you and I always say, hey, we should do it. And then we're like, we forget what we we're going to say. So I wrote it down. And um, I'm not sure if we have a guest next week. Let me just quickly take a look. I don't know. Um, yeah, the 23rd is next week, right? So that's, is that next week? Yeah. So that we do have a guest. Um, and that's Lance Trippett from the uh, 
Academy Kings. He's going to come back on with us as a, a, and to work on some sales processes and so on. So then why don't we do it on the 30th? Yeah, that'd be great. That's awesome. Okay, and I'll then, put it down. And yeah, and then that next week, we won't do a podcast. I'm going to be closed, uh, you know, the studio. So what's that, July? That week of, uh, yeah, the week of July 4th through the 10th. Yeah, you're closed the whole week. That's insane. I was bragging about you the other day. Um, and I had uh, one of my clients, and they're, they're a fledgling school. And I said, look, my friend Dwayne, he's got it down. And I said to them, and it's kind of cool too. I said, you know, you have to become an architect, right, of your school. You got you to gotta master how you want your building, and not just the, the physical building, but also that, but how you want everything to look within your school. And, and it, being that they're brand new, they're a new school growing, I said, you can architect your structure, everything, exactly the way they want. And that's when I bragged about you. I said, listen, Dwayne's open, you know, Monday through Thursday. He has Fridays. He does private lessons and seminars and things of that nature. Saturday and Sunday, every once in a while. But most of the time, you're closed on the weekends, right? Except for birthday parties on Saturdays. Yeah. And then I said, you're also closed six weeks a year. Is it six or eight? Oh gosh. I mean, you add it all in. It's, it's probably close to eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, and I said to them, and by the way, they're a new school. They're they're They finally, I've coached them and they've hit 60 members. Um, they're doing really, really well. They've went from being, uh, you know, not making any money to be able to make two or $3,000 a month in profit. Um, and this is all within the first six to seven months that they're doing this. And uh, I said, but you don't have to like the, the one owner is very cheap. You know, her and her husband run the school and she's got two infant babies under three. And she runs the school and teaches as well. And he, and the husband also teaches, she teaches karate. He teaches Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I said, you don't have to do what everyone else does. Just because you see other schools are open Saturdays, you know, open in the morning and the nighttime and day class and night class. I said, you've got to choose what you want to do to be happy. And then you build your school around that mindset. And that's something that I think that they're going to do. And they, they took off the weekend and they were happy. Yeah. See, so this check this out. Right? Yeah. Anything that's in black, let me make it a little bit bigger, maybe. But uh, anything that's in uh, uh, black is when we're closed. Wow, cool. So uh, President's Day, we take, and we run our studio. So um, you come Monday, Wednesday, or you come Tuesday, Thursday, right? So right. Uh, if I close on a Monday, I'm also closed on a Tuesday. So President's Day and the day after. Uh, this one in March and right. April was spring break. My wife works for a school district. So I take the same week that she takes off. In May, what is that? Uh, That's a Memorial Day, right? Yeah. yeah. So Memorial Day, we took off uh, Monday the thirty-first, but then we we're also closed June first. And then for the week of Fourth uh, of July, we're closed, as you can see there. And then September, what is that? Labor Day. Yeah. So we're closed yes. that Monday and Tuesday. October, we're closed. Uh, uh, that is Columbus Day. So we take Columbus Day and the day after. Um, if uh -huh. Halloween falls, let's say Halloween was on a Monday, we would take Monday and Tuesday off. Right. So that, when, when, Halloween, when Halloween falls on a weekday, we, we, get, we get an extra time off. Yeah. And then uh, November here, you can see uh, just for you know, Wednesday all the way through the weekend for uh, Thanksgiving. And then we always take two weeks off in December. 
Right. That's awesome. And by the way, the, just so people know, if you take off on a Monday, you also take off on a Tuesday so that both both people that are in those different classes experience the day off as well. Right. Yeah. Nobody gets more than anybody else and nobody gets less than anybody else. That's a pretty cool concept, too. So I, I basically if I shut down on a Monday, I'll let everyone make it up the following week. It doesn't matter if they don't have a class, they could come extra. But I think I'm close similar to you. I close from. Um, you know, do Thanksgiving weekend. We do Halloween always because no one would show up. I mean, we do July 4th weekend, but not the week after. So I think we're closed about three, maybe four weeks in total as well. But so that's pretty cool though. And that's what I was bragging about you. I'm like, you built this around the lifestyle that you want to live. I like, why would we build a business and make ourselves like literally say, how can I make myself miserable? Let me write down how many days I have to work. I mean, you should be thinking about how many days that legitimately you could take off. Don't be lazy. Um, don't, um, you know, don't just do it for the sake of, but people are not going to be mad if you close up on Thanksgiving. You know, I mean, people I know that close Christmas Eve open up you know, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, they're open on, you know, the rest of the days during Christmas holiday, then they close on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and they're back open again. Like, they're afraid that their clients are going to be mad at them. Well, look, I have, and, uh, uh, I often get this, especially during the summer. I'll go, you know what, we're going to take some time off in the summer. And I go, well, why? Oh, we're going to go on vacation in July, and, and there's going to be some other small little ones. I go, well, what, when's your vacation in July? And kid you not, almost every time, not every time, but almost every time their vacation is the same week that, they're clo that we're closed. Right, because they schedule it around your schedule. Well, they schedule around the holiday, which just right. happens to be our schedule too. Right. And so I'm, I go, look, exactly. you know, that week we're already close. So you're not missing that week. I said, what others are you doing? Oh, well, we're going to take a day here, a day there. I said, that's not a problem. We'll just do private lessons to make that up. And they're like, oh, okay, you know. Now you don't charge for privates on those. I don't days? charge for privates at all. They're all included into the program. I don't really have anybody that ever abuses them either. So, right, that's awesome. So, so um, well, this is let's. This is a great topic on its own, right? Well, but it's a good intro. We have some it's guests a good intro on. Uh, on, I think you know, designing what you want, you know, for your for your studio, yeah. and and what we're going to talk about is designing what you want for your studio, whether you want to rent or whether you want to own, right? Right. That's true. And by the way, we do have a few people that showed up and one of them is Ryan Blanchard. He's the owner of Cajun Martial Arts. And um, I, I didn't think of him as an owner that has his own real estate, but Ryan is a real estate mogul. Like, you know, I, I don't know if you would say a mogul until you're like in the hundreds of millions, but no, he has real estate properties, commercial and residential that he rents and he owns his own building um, that he, uh, that he bought and rebuilt and retrofitted around his school. So maybe next time we could have Ryan on um, uh, Ryan Blanche is a very successful school owner, good friend of mine for, 20 years, I think around, but, um, so today we wanted to talk about that and it's kind of interesting. Like, um, well, if, he, if he's on, if he's on, pop him that link to, to uh, hop on Ryan, if you want. Ryan, Ryan, if you want to come on with us and do, uh, and pop in for a second, let me know here on the comments and I'll send you a link behind the scenes and you could pop on with us. If you'd like, let me know if you're still listening and you want to do that. Yeah, we can just take, you know, 10, 15 minutes of his time before the top of the hour, right? Yeah, yeah. And we do have uh, someone coming in at 12, maybe, and potentially 12, 15, two other guests. At the, and we just left it kind of open, pop in if you could make it because they're busy school owners. And one was Chung Park. He has like this flagship 10,000 square foot 
school that's like literally like a country club like you know homework stations and koi ponds and all this it's just amazing and um and also solomon brenner who not only has one school but has like half of the 20 something schools that he owns he owns the real estate on so he's another he'll be on with us too so um anyway long story short so where the question is and and i've owned my buildings uh, did he respond yeah send him the link Okay, let me do that right now, Ryan. I'll send it to you right now, and let me find it. But so, so yeah, let's get them on. You now. go ahead me, and send that. I'm just going to say something real quick. Um, I I, I know that uh, I, I've talked to different school owners with regards to owning and not owning. I know you, Allie, you've owned and rented as 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 well, and 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 so um, I thought this was a would be a phenomenal topic because selfishly. Um, I have uh, maybe an opportunity to to buy a building and not rent anymore. I've, I've rented for 23 years now and I look at all that money and I think to myself, man, I, 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 I could have actually owned something by now uh, that would have been mine and had tenants, if that makes sense. So it'd be nice to kind of bounce this this info uh, or this idea off of, of people. Now, I've known some other really, really successful school owners that go, I don't want to own at all. You know, I, well, here, here's the thing, like, you know, being that, and you and I have talked about this. Like I always, when every, ever someone asks me this question, I always tell them about my stages of philosophy, right? You know, when I was younger, I wanted to take over the world and have 12 schools and own all my real estate. I was like, I always used to joke. Now I'm very careful, but I go, I wanted to be like Donald Trump, less the bad hair. Right. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, now of course you, you love Trump or hate him. So mentioning his word gets people triggered. Right. But, um, when I started, like I, I wanted to buy all my buildings. And I, at one point, I think I was up to 15 pieces of real estate, five or six of them were commercial real estate. Um, two of them I actually owned for my own schools. Uh, and that I was the, the owner in the corporation and the tenant at the same time. And uh, it was uh, great because just recently, and this is, it would have been this year was my 30th year in that one building. I just recently sold that building off at a really great, great profit. Right. And, um, it was just timing was right. I'm at the age where I wanted to slow down and, and kind of be, you know, less extended or exposed or, you know, and, and my, my mindset changed. So, you know, there I go, I was once wanting to buy the world and own the world and, and run multiple schools. Now I'm 56. I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, I want to kind of slow down a little. And, and so owning and, and not owning, there's positives and negatives to all of those things. Yep. So um, if you want to ask questions, and we've discussed that too, um, behind the scenes, you and I, about the pros and cons to both. And here's my good buddy, man. How are you, Ryan? Good. How's everybody doing? Good to see you. By the way, Ryan owns Cajun Martial Arts. He's from Louisiana. Um Ryan, do you still own this shop, the shop, the lawnmower shop as well? Yeah, I'm in my uh, lawnmower fixing gear today. Yeah, so, so, he, so he not only owns the school, he owned the kick. I think it's still I Love Kickboxing Academy or, or maybe not. or But um, you have a kickboxing school too, right? And then you also have the martial arts school and rental properties and your building that you own for the school, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, we, uh, we purchased the building for the uh, martial arts school. Uh, going on four years ago, and uh, we had the opportunity. Uh, I just made 20 years teaching in the community that I am right now. And so 2001 is when I started, and I'm, I'm literally a quarter mile 
from uh, from where I taught my first class in uh, in that community. Uh, started my first wow. one in '97, uh, so it's uh, you know when the opportunity came up to purchase this building and uh, actually broker the deal where we owner finance the building, and uh, so we didn't have to go to the bank, uh, we didn't have to put down a down payment. Uh, we got with the owner and uh you know made it worth their while and and they they kind of helping us out too by not having to go to the bank so that was that was pretty good yeah so yeah it's i think you and i when we work together which we still do but um but you know we were doing stuff weekly together and you were starting to build up you even had um uh, I don't know a proper terminology, like not trailers, but like uh, the rental units that were in the tr in the park. You know, like uh, yeah, I, what do they call those? Yeah, mobile homes. Um, I own a mobile homes, yeah. a, a track of land with uh, uh, four mobile homes on it. Um, I actually had one burned down. I had five. One one burned down about three years ago. I hadn't replaced it. And then I owned a, a duplex, uh, which I, I just closed on that on Friday and sold. Uh, you know, it was time to get some of my equity back out of the property and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do with it, either roll it into another property to uh, not pay taxes on it this year and, or I, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do yet. We might just use the money to uh, get out of debt or, or something like that. So, and then the, That's the, awesome. the lawnmower shop, I purchased the business and the building and the land. Uh, and that was in uh, 2013. So, and we're looking to to cash out of my equity in that as Jesus. well, because uh, you know, it's it's been that long already, right? right? I can't believe it's been that long. Eight years, man! Amazing time flies. Crazy. Let me wow. ask you this, Ryan. I'm curious. What what gave you? Um, you know, what was the the decision? to go ahead and buy the building that the studio is in? Like, you know, was it just right time, right place, right offer? Um, you've been waiting for this, um, you know, because oh, obviously you were right. renting before that. Right, you know, and, and it, there's some pros and cons to both of them. Um, uh, one of the pros is I've been investing in real estate since uh, uh, around 2010. So I understand the the uh, financial impact it, it's going to make uh renting's good because you don't have to worry about uh, major maintenance but when i when you sign a triple net lease uh you're paying for all the maintenance on the building as well whether it's the air conditioner or the plumbing or or just painting the building and stuff like that pretty much the, sorry oh. about that yeah sorry. i'm on my phone right here that's okay uh, so landlords pretty much make giving you all that responsibility so you're in on it plus they're going to amortize the uh the the insurance and they're going to amortize the uh the taxes throughout the the tenants in that in that uh in that building so you're sharing a part of all that anyway so i figured why not just take the whole responsibility uh start building equity into the place so i figure in another seven years i'll have the building paid off so that money I'm paying in, in, uh, you know, we lost him. <laughs> yeah. Or he froze up. That's the problem with the phone sometimes, gotcha. but 
but he might, it might just reconnect or he'll come back on the link. But yeah, I'll just, you know, keep the dead space uh, alive right now. But what Noah Ryan and, and, and his wife, Andrea, um, they've always been, uh, you know, very entrepreneurial. And, um, and, you know, so he's got a lot of the real estate. And by the way, um, Dwayne, you know, a cool game that you may want to buy. I don't know if you want to play it with the family and you could even get it as an online game and play with others around the world. It's called cash flow quadrants. Oh yeah. It's you like the, you said that before. It's by Rob Kiyosaki. And, um, it just talks about, and I was teaching my daughter, you know, how to rent and the profit and the equity and the insurance and the cost and the, of the profit versus the income and the, and so on. So, uh, it was an interesting, it's an interesting game. So anybody who's listening out there and you want to learn more about real estate, definitely get that game or join it. Uh, Ryan. Oh, you must be you're back. My Robert Kiyosaki's game, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Remember we actually, I, I came to your dojo and I taught and I think it was us, you and I, and one of your students, yeah, Darren, maybe yeah, Daryl. Daryl. Yeah. And we all, we went to his house and played the game, yeah, and, you know, yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. So, so Ryan, you were saying though, like you, everything is, you know, you have to look in and take into account, you know, what you're going to spend as a tenant versus what you'd be spending as an owner. And, um, you know, pros and cons to both, right? Right. And another thing you got to consider is your comfort level as a, as, as a business owner, you know. You know, maybe you're not going to be comfortable with actually taking on the, you know, several hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Um, it's just a comfort level. You know, I'm, I've gotten comfortable with holding that, that amount of debt. You know, I, I had the debt on my rental properties, my personal home, the, uh, the martial arts school. It, it's just... It, it's it's just the uh, it, what investment you're gonna make, you know. Plus, you're gonna need some cash down. I don't know about where you're at, uh, but anytime I bought a, a piece of rental property that's not my personal home, uh, I've had to put down twenty to thirty percent in cash, you know, liquid assets. Uh, so you know, and and that's that's something you're gonna have to think about yeah. too. So if you're purchasing a a property and it's costing a half a million dollars. Uh, you're going to need $100,000 in cash to to bring to the bank and say, hey, I've got this uh, because they, they're going to want that equity in it. So if you default, they're going to uh, be able to sell that property. So so to kind of get back to uh, what Mr., uh, Mr. Dwayne was saying is the property came available. I'd been looking for probably 10 years and it was just a, a the perfect storm. It was a friend of mine and his his mom owned the building. And uh, I heard he was going out of business. So I just sat down with him and that's how we, uh, we, we moved into the place that we're at right now. So, you know, you just got to keep your eyes open and continue yeah. going and, and gut check. What are you, what are you comfortable with doing? Renting's not a bad idea because at the end of the day, you don't have the responsibility. <clears throat> uh, but depending on what your landlord that around here, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty strict as far as uh, locking into that triple net cam, uh, which which means you take part in the taxes and the insurance and, and everything else. So. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, Ryan. I think that um, what you mentioned that it's about your gut, right, what you can take. So, like, you know, I love and again, I, I brought up you know, Donald Trump a second ago, but when people say the man's in so much debt, well, that, you know, he uses banks 
and their their money to finance his future. So um, having debt, like you know, like whether you own ten buildings and you owe two hundred thousand on each, you might be two million dollars to four million dollars in debt, but you're not paying that every month. And as your tenants pay their bills, you're paying down your debt and building your equity. And it's all happening on the bank's dollar. Yes, you're they're making a ton of money on interest. And if you could do it in cash and buy buildings out on your own, that'd be great. But if you're using the bank's money, um, that's a smart move. Or, you know, it depends on your philosophy. I remember, I again, going back when I was young, I wanted to have everything debt free. Then I switched into the philosophy of I want to use all the bank's leverage and use all their money. Now I'm back to being 56 years old. I'd like to be debt free again and paying real estate off and selling some off to pay up others and, and so on. So uh, you that's a very important point, that whole entire that's gut right. check. And, you yes. know, and if you look at interest rates over time, we're, we're at one of the lowest points in history uh to borrow money from so yeah. you know it, now's actually a great time uh if you can get the bank to loan you money you know coming out of uh covid banks are a little leery on on uh loaning money to businesses just just because of the the situation that we uh we we encountered last year up to uh, uh you know I listen to you you guys and your podcast and uh we're you know, we're mask free down here in Louisiana. We're not at 100% capacity, but, you know, we've been running our school for uh, probably nine months uh, at 50% capacity. Uh, right. And, you know, we were only shut down for probably four months. Uh, where wow. We started having people come back into the school. Uh, so we're a little more uh, <laughs> open, I guess, here in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah. So uh, that's you know, but it, it did take a toll on us as well. And that, and that's one thing you got to look at is you know you got to pay that bank back. You're on the hook for that mortgage. Right. Um, they're not going to let you right. sign uh, corporately uh, for that mortgage. Uh, right. They're going to make you sign personally yeah. for it. And uh, you know, one thing one thing that's good about a rental property is if if you need to get the cash out, you can always refinance and pull the cash out. The two rental properties that I've owned, I've refinanced twice already and pulled my capital investment out already and used the money to, you know, do whatever I wanted with it. Uh, so that that's one thing I do like about real estate. And that's one thing I do see about this building is, you know, once I get it paid off, I'll have an asset that I can go to the bank and say, right. e e either give me a standing line of credit uh, or whatever, right? You know, hundred thousand dollars, and I can take and revamp and redo my whole school, uh, or I can just have the equity in it if I needed to. He froze up again. <laughs> he's got some great information, though, right? Like it's it's yes. really you know he's been doing this for a long time. I I don't know why I didn't think of him yeah. first. You know, to um, you know, to get him on here, but uh. But yeah, so, you know, not only does he have, you know, like three or three commercial properties, but he's got a lot of residential properties. So what he did point out, though, which you and I have had this discussion before, is that, um, you know, it really all depends on where you're at. And right now you are looking to invest so that you not only have your building controlled by yourself, but you also have other rental income to, to you know, to pay the taxes on the building, to, to offset the cost of the mortgage and so on. And, um, and that's beautiful. So, but there are, there are certain people that always like, they think like the big deal is to buy a building. And that's a good thing to do if you're ready to do that. But there also is some positives to not having a building. Like Ryan said, 
um, right? We're talking about you, uh, you know, with some of the positives of not owning as well, because right. yeah, being, just, being yeah. a tenant, you just walk away. You don't have to worry about anything, you know, right. if times get tough or, you know, I mean, God forbid you lose a significant other or you get injured and you have to retire. I mean, you know, it's a lot easier to, to or if you or if you have a day job and you, your job moves you to right. uh, another um, another city, you know. So, right. you know, right. those are things that you, you, you need to consider. Uh, as well, you know, and you, you, you're not going to have the liability of a mortgage, but I don't know about yeah. the leases you've signed, but uh, they pretty much make you put a personal guarantee on there. Yeah, you uh, see, I've never ever, if, if, it's, if a landlord ever requested that I sign personally, I just wouldn't rent from them. So I've never signed personally on one of my rented buildings. But then again, you have to be willing to walk away. Like if it's the perfect facility, right. some people are like, I, I want to be there. And, you know, I remember my favorite, one of my favorite real estate mogul guys that I would read was Dolph DeRoos, his name is, right? And I haven't read his books in years, but he had two sayings that I loved. One was that the deal of a lifetime comes around once a day. So sometimes in your head, you're like, oh, if I don't take this deal, I'm never going to find it again. And that's not true because right around the corner is going to be some other deal that is probably just as good, if not better. Better if you look enough. Um, and the, the second thing too was that, you know, you can't be married to any one particular piece of property that you have, meaning like, you know, oh my God, this is the one and I'll spend over. Like, I'm always shocked when I watch real estate shows and they're like, okay, the house is on the market for 400,000, but you should offer 490. I'm like, why would you not offer what they're asking and then negotiate from there? Like I've made that mistake many times where I believed the realtor and they told me a number. And then I felt like one, my first ever deal I bought, I was probably like 17 years old. I bought my own home. And, um, and the realtor said, I made an offer, crazy offer. I think they wanted like 170 for the house. I said, I'll give them 70. And they said, oh, no, no, no. They've turned down offers way higher than that. So then I went up to the asking price and I ended up buying the house. And on the closing table, the guy turns to me and said, thank God you bought this building. I was going to lose it within two weeks because it had a deal with my ex-wife. I would have taken anything for it. And I turned to the realtor and it was a woman. I said, if you weren't a lady right now, I'd punch you in the mouth because she literally ripped me. Like she forced me by lying to me to buy the higher price, which I understand she makes a commission, but I could have, if I stuck to my guns, got it for half the price. So don't, don't trust realtors. No, That's know, the lesson of that one right gotta, there. You've got to do your homework too. You know, um, you know, municipalities do a great job of, of, of figuring out, where the flow is, how many cars a day pass in front of these buildings. And, and that's what owners do too, because they want to, they're selling you this spot. So they want to, you know, build it up to like, Hey, you know, we get a million cars that pass here every day. Uh, so, you know, you got to look at, look at those things too. Well, uh, another thing is, you know, when you're investing in that property, uh, you got to look at what's your, what's your return on investment. I mean, I don't know what you're getting in the bank right now, but my money's not getting much. So if I put it in, so if I get it yeah, in my property, that's, that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm making an investment just like everybody's putting money in a 401k, you know, they're putting money there and hoping to get a, a return on their investment. Well, you know, I know how much my martial arts school is making a month. I know it can, uh, support the debt that this building is going to bring. And actually my mortgage is less than what my, my, uh, my rent, rent was and my rent, I locked in like, like 18 years ago. Well, after I moved out of my first place 
and the guy never went up on <laughs> never went up on my rent so uh it was a mutual right. beneficial because i paid him every month on time and he you know as a landlord that's that's unheard of is to have a tenant that long yeah. it's never late so you know that, that's I, I look at all of those factors but at the end of the day you're making a, a huge financial decision and you, you have to be comfortable with with being able to do that so 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 yes or no what is your overall opinion right what's your rent or buy for you your your thoughts oh for me it's definitely buy because i don't like people telling me what to do and when you're renting you got to share spaces with the rest of the tenants um so i would have i mean i had you know sometimes we'd have 40 or 50 people coming in there and the, the parking lot would be overflowed and uh I was renting from a hardware store guy and he'd come in and say, man, you got to tell these people not to be parking in front of my door. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm paying you all this money every, every month. You know, I, I can't tell them what to right. do. I'll ask them, but you know, uh, so, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't, and I figured I was maintaining his building, you know, other than the outside and the roof. Um, you know, I had to replace a, uh, inside, a, a, condenser coil on an ac unit and get a plumber in there so i'm i'm a buy person simply because i'm uh i'm comfortable with with carrying that debt and like every every property i've ever bought you, you tell somebody you're buying something they say oh my god i hope you don't get screwed you know and you know right there's just a lot of people aren't comfortable with doing it but i was never comfortable with going to work yeah. and you know, pushing the button, pulling the lever and turning the wheel. That's, that's just not my not personality. You. you know, I've got to. And, and by the way, by the way, I, I started with Ryan when he was working full time at, and he was, a, you were a scientist, yeah, right? I, I forget something to do with. And uh, I, I managed a lab and I was a, a management employee at a uh, chemical company over here. So. Yeah, so so he was, he was a scientist, right? Yeah, that was pretty pretty awesome. And you jumped out at that career and went. I remember guiding through. We were doing that, and you were like, "I'm going to go full time." And it was scary. Like we had to set numbers and say when you were ready and when you felt it was good to let go of the other job. And and you've done amazing. And we lost. All right, him just again. message him, let him know. Thanks. All right, I will right now. We got Solomon Brenner on. All right, awesome. Another expert. Hello, hey guys. sir. Hey, guys. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Isn't technology you, amazing? Right. You're in your car driving, and we can we can have you on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm driving to golf, so uh, I figured this is the perfect timing for me. I normally yesterday I golfed starting at twelve, and then you know you guys invited me on, so I was like, all right, I can golf at twelve thirty if I'm driving on the way. So that's, yeah, that's perfect. Yes. All right. So uh, just know what the topic is, right? You know what the topic is: rent, don't rent, buy, don't buy. You know what are your feelings? And first off, before you say that, what uh, with your schools, is it what's the percentage that you own and you rent? Uh, we have twenty-two schools. I think we own thirteen or fourteen of the properties. So I, I, I certainly prefer to buy, uh, but you know I think there's always a time that rent could make more sense. I wanted to address two things. One is the horror story of uh, Ali that he had, and I and I've had horror stories too. <clears throat> um, but I also think when you're doing it long term, smart brokers are are. And I, I think the same thing that like you know 
the higher that I pay, the more, you know, the more they make. Right. So it's hard to believe they're on your side. Um, but I also know that the smart brokers long term, if they are on your side, make way more money long term with you than anything else. So I think it's having that. You know, I have two brokers that I use exclusively and I 100 percent believe they're on my side and they're never posturing me to pay more. You know, they might posture the other person, but, you know, I get a percentage back sometimes, um, you know, of their commission if I do some of the work. So anyway, I think having that right relationship is huge. So anyway, that's was that is and I mostly like to buy, but I do think there's a case study for you know or, or a scenario that it does make sense to rent. So what would that case study scenario mean? Uh, you know, so, uh, for, for, you know, for me, you know, uh, renting uh, the benefit of renting sometimes would be number one, you love the neighborhood. And there's nothing for sale. Uh, but you know, you think the neighborhood is going to support a credit score in a really good way, then, you know, then you rent, right? Like it is what it is. You know, you're paying some money and the last gentleman that was on talked about ROI, right? Return on investment. And if you believe that area is going to crush it, then, you know, renting is fine. Another reason might be you can't afford the down payment. Um, and you can't find anything where you can negotiate away the down payment, you know, which is another option I get. Um, you know, we've done it that way too, but there's, you know, there's always a, re or it's in an area that you don't want to own. Um, we've had areas that like, we think would be a good karate school, but I don't, not sure about how well real estate's going to do in that area. And I'm a little bit nervous about it, you know, willing to rent then or rent in the beginning for a few years until you establish the school and then buy, you know, like, I mean, we're at the point now where we just pretty much look for real estate, then fill it with a karate school. Um, but certainly in the beginning, when you're not at that point, you know, there's nothing wrong with renting I and mean, you're just starting your business or wherever you are. That, that I love what you said too, though. The first thing is most important about owning the having a relationship with your realtor. That's that's somebody that if you're buying multiple properties consistently, they better work with you and care about you, or else there's no sense working with them, right? So you've gotten that relationship, and that's great. So, um, and and I agree with you on all the rental stuff that you said. There's a lot of different reasons to rent or to to purchase. So I know Dwayne's in the middle of possibly doing a buy uh, on a deal on a building and, and se setting up his second school. Did you have any specific questions, Dwayne, for you, like your thoughts? Well, no, I, I guess when, okay, so let's say this, when looking for a martial arts building, should I be looking for a, uh, a standalone building? So it's just my studio or one that I could have renters out of? Yes, uh, either, Okay. Maybe both. I prefer standalone because I'm not super into being a landlord. Um, but the ones that I'm in are totally fine. Um, but when they're, you know, it, it also depends on how much you can carry if the other tenants, you know, if it's, if you have an empty building for whatever period of time, when we had an empty building, one yes. of our, one of our buildings is 15,000 square feet in an amazing location. Um, and you know, we're only using 2,900 square feet of the 15,000. So for some period of time when we had, 12,000 square feet empty. I mean, it was hard for me to sleep at night. Like I, I, I would just like think all night, who can I talk to? What can I do? And I did like a ton of research to find the number who I believe is the number one person on the planet in rentals, not in my neighborhood. I mean, like on the planet, you know, at least in the U S I guess. Um, and I asked her to consult me 
and the, you know, the things that she did were way different than like a local broker would do as far as, um, prospecting and, you know, she was pretty much the equivalent of us at karate, you know, like, you know, we're not the average martial arts school, right? So she was like amazing, like had all these marketing, you know, all these marketing tactics and ways to talk to people, ways to structure the deal. And just, I mean, so, and I, she, she coached me over the phone and I'm, and we found up finding a tenant. I spent every single day, uh, for like a month, just driving around neighborhoods, stopping into other businesses saying like, Hey, have you ever thought about expanding or growing or moving? Uh, you know, I own some property down the street and, you know, thought to want to stop in and say hi. And, you know, it took an every day doing, I printed my own marketing flyer besides I had a broker, you know, but the broker just puts it on the listing sites and that's the end of it. So if you can live with, you know, when these, in, when, when the people are paying the rent, uh, I'm a genius. I'm really smart. I'm a pretty good businessman when they're not paying the rent. Right. I'm pretty much having a heart attack. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, for me and, you know, a, a single use building, I'm pretty confident in that. The rest of it, we have it. We have apartments. We have other retail. Uh, but I prefer if I could do anything, I'll do a single use tiny building. So when you say tiny, what's the square footage? Uh, the smallest we have is like 1650. The biggest we have is probably 5500. Okay. And they're single use buildings. But you know, if, if I had if I had anything, yeah, like five hundred, three thousand square feet would be whatever, fine with me. Okay. I love what he said too. Like I, I've had, um, and by the way, I've had some horror stories with certain towns as well in my area. Um, I bought a beautiful building on the water. I had my own dock space for a boat. Like I don't have a boat, but if I wanted to drive to work on my boat, I had huge parking, um, four units in, in the building plus my school. And I got not, they didn't know this until after I owned the building that nothing but stress from the town. Like I had people that they would come in and find my tenants. Like for example, I had a guy who owned a limo business and he would bring his limo to work because he was take a call and go out and use his limo. They'd come and plop a ticket on his car because he was parking in my own parking lot. So they made it so difficult for me to have tenants. The tenants would always move out. So eventually I hated the town, not the actual town, but the, the, the municipalities. And I sold the building. I was like, I'm done with this. It, they made it so difficult for me to be a landlord and have rentals that I had to get the hell out of there. And I sold it and made some money, but not nearly as much as I could have if I held on to it. But they were just the worst. And that town still to this day is riddled with empty buildings so be careful with that and always look where you know what's going on around that property i'm not right i'm not sure how you de-risk that i guess you can ask all the other you know the other property owners in the town like you know stop in for pizza or whatever and be like hey so how's the township treat you um i mean we uh, are yeah. our way of doing things with the townships is we couldn't possibly be any nicer like I've been there when other people are screaming at the zoning officer and screaming at the, you know, the, whoever is in charge. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, we go in like you know, silver yeah. tongue. I bring gifts, you know, like non bribing gifts, like, you know, an action karate mug and a t-shirt or something. And I always bring, right, right, I bring right. the zoning officer and the secretary and the lady at the front desk. Like I usually bring like a whole bunch of stuff and then just kind of give it out as I'm walking through. Um, because I, and I, I always think they're always going to like me more. When we did, we had to, we had to recon, uh, you know, do a ton of construction, like, you know, over a million dollars of construction on one of the buildings. And I was, the zoning officer used our building as an example for the state of how like they're so good at regulation because, you know, we did a nice job. And then we, you know, he had, he called me one day and he's like, listen, 
I have my kids do a fundraiser every year. We raise a ton of money. I was curious if you want to donate. We're in the middle of the project. Of course, I'm willing to donate. Whatever. You, how much? How much is a good donation? Yeah, yeah. I would love to. And then he was telling me, and this is where it could get scary, that it, uh, there was another person, not in our, not with us, but like in another building, where he said he felt like he, and he was a super nice guy. Like he thought he bent over backwards for her. You know, like he was telling me that most of the rules that come from our state that he has to follow are pretty much impossible to deal with, with an existing building. Like it's too hard, but he has leniency that he can kind of let it go. If it's like impossible to fix and um, to bring it up to code. And this one woman, he said, like he bent over backwards. He said like constantly like finding ways to help her. And then at the very end for the final inspection, like he couldn't make it the day she wanted. And she like screamed and like ripped them up and was like cursing at him. He said, Oh, guess what I'm doing today. I'm showing up at her building with this, with the code book impossible to pass. She'll never pass. He's like, I don't know why she's yelling at me for, I did everything for her and she would have passed, but now she's not. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're dealing with zoning people, <laughs> I don't know how you're mean to them. I think you have to like become their friend. Um, right. Right. And right. Beg, yeah. And beg for, you know, like leniency. Yeah. And you're right though. That's hundred percent true. And I, I tried that with my one and they were just like impossible. They would, no matter what I did, but anyway, the, so what do you think? We're running close on time, like pros and cons. Uh, you said rental, like Dwayne, do you have any other thoughts on that? Like what other questions to pick his brain? Well, yeah, I was going to say too, uh, or ask, what about like uh, parking? Is that something you definitely look for when you're looking for a building too? I mean, like how big of a parking lot or the flow or what are you looking at? Yes to all of it. Um, many of we have one township that changed their parking ordinances because of us. Um, I like to have a little more than twenty spots at a time. You know, it depends on the model of your school, right? Like how many people you know. Like our school, we try and have like eighteen people in a class is the max. You know, when we have thirty, it's too many. Um, but I also look at auxiliary parking. So is there parking on the street? Is it next to a shopping center? How friendly, you know, is it a giant center where nobody's going to notice we're parking anywhere? Or is it like a little center that somebody, you know, the owner's walking around picking up trash and he's going to notice it and not like, you know, in that case, I would go talk to him and say like, hey, if this happens, you know, what's the situation? You know, if he's like, oh, you can rent it. Or if he's like, I oh, don't worry about it. We're neighbors, um, you know, or if the street yeah. has parking. Um, we actually like our very first building we ever bought has like 27. 28 spots, something like that. But the flow of the parking lot is terrible. Like you'd only get like one car in and one car out at the same time. And it's very difficult. We wound up like adding a park, uh, adding like another drive through section that they didn't really want us to do. But we kind of like, it just for first it was a tree, then the tree went away and then it was mud. Then the mud became rocks. Um, and then <laughs> I bought a house two doors over that I still live in that is zoned commercial, but it's huge. And it has, not the house isn't huge, but the parking lot's huge. And we let like all the instructors park there. So that alleviates that. In the beginning, we made all the instructors park like way down the block. Um, so none of them were in the park. You know, in the beginning, the instructors take all the best spots because they get there first. I'm like, no, sure. no, no, you guys, you guys all park. And then yeah. leadership team, they have to park somewhere else. Like we don't allow anybody to park. Right. If you're there for more than one class, or I know you well enough to say like, hey, Mr. Brahma, could you do me a favor, sir? Would you mind parking up there to not, you know, let some of these other families in? And, you know, if you're like a good student, you're like, oh, sure, no problem, sir. Um, parking is definitely yeah. an issue, but I don't let it stop me. If, if, if there's some reasonable place for people to park. And we, and we, okay, so and, it, and it also depends. 
Now, I was going to say it also depends on the culture, right, of the community. Like, for instance, if you lived in Manhattan, people are used to parking way over and walking or they might walk. Like in my my one location, you've been there. I remember one time I wasn't there and you showed up and did like a secret shopper and you called me on the phone. You're like, hey, and, and you you stopped in at my school many, many, many years ago, years ago in my West Tyson location. But I only had like 17 spots in that location. So and now I'm in I combined it all into my new location. I have like 35 spots and the people just love love like there's no stress pulling in and out you know it's not that was a big deal i've lost more students because they hated my parking than i than i gained because of it so i mean it's something that's very important to to look at but it also depends on the culture if they're used to parking far away and they can walk like look at mr hafner you're one of your people that you right Dwayne, that you were he has a school from what i know in the city down in the basement with just parking on the street we have we have schools with zero parking we have schools that have like it's just there's zero zero parking um and you know maybe there's meters on some side street and like you said the culture is you know every store has that and if you moved into that neighborhood you knew what parking was it's also super right. densely populated where tons of people walk we got really lucky on one building one of our buildings has zero parking but they're directly diagonal is a municipal lot that's free we don't have to maintain it we don't have to do anything to it which you know parking lots are expensive to deal with um right and so that was super lucky, but I, you know, I think there's a use case for pretty much anything, you know, if you can kind of figure it out. Um, we actually started something I know uh, with our group that we partnership with people now to buy buildings. So, you know, if they want to buy a building, but they really don't have the, either they don't have one of two things we can, we can fill in. Number one, if they don't have the experience, they want the benefit of our experience and we'll partner with them. Like we go in and we put money in and they put money in. Um, or they don't have all the money for it. Well, pretty much what we do is we buy it, we lease it to them. They have to put a substantial like deposit, uh, which is what they would do anyway. It's not, it's not like that much more than they would do is like their two or three months deposit. And we do a 15 year lease. The building has to be paid off in 15 at the end of the 15. Um, they would, depending on the size of their deposit, they'll get like pretty much that percentage back in the building. So they're pretty much buying a building with us. Um, however, the downside is if they leave before the 15 years for, it doesn't matter to me what reason is they lose everything. When I say they lose everything, they lose their deposit. That's all they really lose. Right. Right, right, right. So, well, hey, uh, we appreciate yeah. you hopping on and we don't want you to miss tea time. Is there any any final things you want to say? I think in general, buying is always better. I mean, you you know, if, if you believe in your school and your school and you're paying rent, in my mind, the biggest reason we do it is we're paying rent anyway. You might as well just pay it to yourself. Of course, there's downsides. Like somebody was, uh, the, the guy that was on here earlier, it's not exactly the same. At least you can write off 100% with your mortgage. You can only write off the mortgage interest. In the beginning, it's almost all of it, but it's not, it doesn't always stay that way. And he said something else. Oh, he said, "Like it's locked in. You all, you have interest rate risk. I mean, for us, we're only able to lock in our interest rate traditionally for five years. I know sometimes you can get seven or ten, but it's usually five. Um, and you know, you if you're and interest rates are historically low now. There's no place for them to go but up. So if it goes from four percent, like right now, you right. say you get four percent, but then it goes to eight in five years. Hopefully, you paid down the building enough that it kind of balances itself as far as payments go." But there's a possibility if, if inflation goes to crazy, which I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying there is a risk. It can't. It's not just like, oh, I pay my rent or I pay my 
mortgage. It's not exactly the same thing. So there is you know risk that people should consider. Yeah. Love it. Well, Absolutely. I appreciate you getting on, sir. Have have a good. Uh, have a. Are you doing nine or eighteen? Uh, depends on my partner. Yesterday we did eighteen, but we almost always do nine. Okay. All right. Well, have a great time, sir. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Bye. So, so Dwayne, too. Um, I think that it all depends on the person as well. Like, for example, you, you know, find someone that could mentor you or someone that you could call up when you have questions because there's so many ways to, to float deals in real estate that, that are traditional ways that and non-traditional ways. And I just helped one of my clients where um, he's like, oh, man, the banks are taking forever um, to, to approve a mortgage, and I'm going to lose this deal. These people want out by X date. And he says, I'm going to give up the deal. And I'm like, no, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, I can't, I can't come up with this and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, yeah, here's some choice. And I started throwing choices out to him. I said, maybe have asked them if they'll hold the mortgage. You know, um, people sometimes own buildings free and clear. And they're like, rather than making 2%, if, if that like 0.5% on their money, um, you know, in the bank, they could charge you three and a half percent interest and make way more than they'd ever make if their money was sitting in the bank and they would be the the landlord or not the landlord, the bank, the mortgage company. I mean, another way to do it, too, is to always talk to, um, you know, people and maybe do a, uh, you know, a five year amortization. Like after five years, you put you say, listen, I'll give you. 20,000 down and another 25,000 in five years and another 25,000 in 10 years, then I'll pay the building off. And, right. and that might, people would be like, you know, I'll do that deal. And so like, don't always just go with the traditional, always ask. And I think we talked about this. I said, always ask the realtor to see if they'll hold the mortgage. Cause then you don't have to wait. You don't have to pay. And I don't know which, you know, Illinois is like, but I know New York, they charge you fees just for being buying a house, you know, ridiculous 2000, 3000, just, you know, taxes and then this payment and this, this fee and that fee. I'm like, wow, did I just pay seven grand for nothing? Like, yeah. you know, on a closing, you know, so you, you could avoid a lot of that. If the person holds the mortgage, you don't have to deal with banks and closing points and statements and so on. So, um, I, I'm still caught in between. Like I, I would say if you're in it for the long haul own, if you're not sure where you're going to end up, maybe moving out of state, maybe sell, um, you know, one of my other clients is building up real estate and he's bringing in like six grand in residual income every single month just from his rental properties. So, and that's residential. So this could turn into something crazy good for you as well. So it's exciting right now. It is. And I, you know, as weird as it sounds, I've been comfortable and I, I need something, I think, to kind of help me take out of my comfort zone, you know? Right. Yeah. And expanding with a second school too. So you're doing second school own the building and then you'll be your own landlord but also an investor so like in that four cash flow quadrants you're jumping from owner to business owner to investor in the same two quadrants so that's a pretty exciting thing for you it is it's nerve-wracking but it's exciting i yeah and that's why you know i thought hey why don't we just do the call on this see if we can get a few people on um you know some of the things especially like when what solomon was talking about square footage you know i thought that you know, I really need a, a, a bigger location in order to have renters, but he's saying he he'd rather have a single location, no renters. Um, and that's a different yeah. concept, you know? Well, it's also, also about 
you know, how far you want to extend yourself, right? So like he said, you know, I had that building where I had tenants, but if the tenants weren't paying rent, I was paying the rent. So I didn't want to make sure that my school was the only person that was paying the bill. So, but I have a lot of, my two buildings were standalones, but I would rent office space within it at times, you know, rent off a little section and make a little bit of extra money. But I've always been my own you know, owner occupied landlord, so to speak. Right. So um, you can, your school, what is your square footage on your school now? Uh, it's like 4,700. And do you find there's any section of that that's wasted space? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That you, yeah. So, I mean, so you look at, maybe you could deal with a 3,000, 3,200, if you really, you know, organize it the way you wanted to, or 3,000 even. So, um, you know, I've ran a school back in the day. It was probably 12 to 1300 square foot. And I had 250 students out of that location. And I, and then I bought my own building, but well, I do believe if I knew, what I do now, then I have I would be able to do, run more out of that place. And see, the place that I'm looking at right now is is 4,400 square foot. That's so that's a big building. It well, it is, but it's it's less than what I'm I'm operating in right now. Yeah, and you could probably even go less if you had to, if you were going to look. But that's a you know that's something. It depends on your overhead, right? That's the most important thing. Yeah. So, well, cool. right. well, yeah, this was, uh, I think this was a great, great time, great information. Um, you know, I'm so appreciative to, to uh, Ryan and also Solomon for getting on and, and I appreciate you putting that together, sir. That's cool, man. And I wish we could have had Master Park on too, but maybe another time and he could talk about it as well because he has a gorgeous facility so uh, that he owns 10,000 square foot, you know, so that's pretty awesome. But maybe we'll do that. But anyway, next week we have a guest. Um, and then the week after we'll do our call that we had just talked about, which is going to be going through our, all our stuff. And we talked about the call topic is student value and terminology on the 30th. So, um, Dwayne, have a great day. You're going to play our outro and for everybody here, I hope you had a good call. And if you're listening to this at a later time, please make sure that, you know, you comment or you like, and you share it with other people and you can check it out on iTunes, right? Spotify and other places like that as well. Absolutely. And I, and I want to say this, um, if you listen to this via podcast and uh, you're not a part of our private member group, uh, go to schoolownertalk.com in the menu section, you'll be able to click on the Facebook private group and then become a member, answer the questions. Uh, we're not gonna let you in if you're not answering the questions. So answer the questions. Yeah. We want real people. Look, we want real martial arts school owners. We don't want marketers. Yes, yes. We don't want, uh, you know, people that are trying to market to martial arts school owners. We want real mm -hmm. martial arts school owners. Cause this is what that, this is school owner talk. And, and we want it to be about you and you know, what, uh, what you need for your school, if that makes sense. So check that out. Yeah. I think we're at so almost or, or more than 700 plus members, right? We're at, um, what are we in our group? Yes, almost 800 members now of solid, straight martial arts school owners. That's pretty damn exciting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Allie. Thanks, sir. Awesome, Jane. You have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk Podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors please check out EliteInsights.com for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. 
Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, the best darn software for school owner manager on the planet. GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your school systems. We will see you next time.